episode 117 of the Bevan James Isle Show. When you're healthy, but maybe you're not healthy. Alright, team, welcome along to episode 117 of the Bevan James Isle Show, your fortnightly podcast on the behaviors that create a lifetime love of fitness so you can get all the benefits that come alongside it. I was meant to have an interview today with uh, someone I was really looking forward to having an interview with, but they're just, it's just not working out with my coordination of getting the interview to happen. So, fingers crossed, I can get that to happen in the next episode. Um, but I actually have got another episode coming up in the next few weeks. I'm going to be sitting down with a few men. I'm talking about men's health, actually, and kind of mental health, you know. Uh, it's a big thing, it's a big topic nowadays, and it's an interesting topic, actually, because when we look at, in New Zealand right now, one of the big topics that's kind of been spoken about is farmers, how there's kind of a big mental health issue problem around farmers in New Zealand, because they're a little bit isolated, they're kind of, she'll be right, we have in New Zealand, we kind of had this saying, saying, she'll be right, which is kind of, you know, don't worry about it, mate, just brush it under the carpet is kind of what that means. Uh, so do not share when you have problems. And it's really good because I suppose, you know, this is quite stereotypical, but traditionally females would seek support. And traditionally the role model in New Zealand in particular was a, mere, a man should just kind of hold his emotions in. And in the last period of time, that's definitely something that's starting to shift. And, uh, you know, lots of men are kind of, opening up to looking for healthier ways to deal with the struggles of their life. And it's really interesting actually because one of the things I experience a lot of my male clients is they desire a deeper level of connection in the world. And it's, that's just not with females or their intimate partners. That's actually, when they talk about that, that's kind of like, even with my mates, I want to talk about deeper issues, not just sport and stuff like that. But I'm, af I'm afraid to address it. I'm a little bit worried about addressing it. And so they, they have this desire for a deeper level, but they, they're not quite sure how to address it or at least how to have an environment that would encourage that kind of behavior. And so in the next couple of episodes, maybe the next episode, maybe one after that, but I'm going to sit down with a couple of guys and we're actually going to have a group discussion around this. And these are people who are really putting a lot of time and energy into really helping men around this area because it's it's an important issue and it's something that everybody needs, you know, good healthy outlets in their life. And that kind of she'll be right, brush out under the carpet kind of thinking is actually working against people and often makes things worse. So just some stuff, I'm really looking forward to doing that one. Actually, you'll be a bit of a roundtable discussion. So we'll get that coming up in the next few shows. In today's show, I'm going to be doing two topics, um, two topics that have been on my mind lately. And um, it's funny, as I, as I think about how I think, you know, I think the show I did last time around, Trusting Yourself, part of one of the topics from here is kind of an evolution of that. I kind of went away from that show and I've been thinking about something to another level. Um, so one of the topics is about that and then one of the topics is around a discussion I had with somebody the other day. So both of them are that deeper mind stuff, which is stuff you know I really enjoy. So I'm going to get pretty much into that pretty quickly. Yeah, before I do, I just thought I'd tell you a little bit. I'm doing a, I'm doing a running race in two weeks from now actually, just over, over two weeks from now, in uh, Queenstown in New Zealand, and I'm doing a half marathon there with the goal to qualify for the New York Marathon, and 
it's been it's been a really nice training period for me and you know I in my younger days I was an athlete and by that I mean that you know as an athlete to me an athlete is you wake up in the morning your first priority is exercise you know you really I just think about how I can get the most out of my exercise to achieve the main goal that I'm trying to achieve and for around seven years of my life in my younger years that's what my life was really about was wake up in the morning how do I you know exercise first because I'm trying to be the best athlete I can be well nowadays I'm, I'm a fit guy who sometimes does sport so my job is teaching exercise so I definitely keep fit and uh, I always have a pretty good base because I enjoy keeping fit but you know it's by no means the priority in my life and so in the last period I've had a goal again where I've again my running program hasn't been my priority but I've had to fit it around and I've really enjoyed the last 10 weeks of training but I came to a point last last Monday or last Sunday actually and I had a couple setbacks in my training. So first of all, I had a 5k run, which I wanted to do under 17 minutes. And my first 5k run in the program, I did 17.09. And I've been training really well. So my training was saying that I could definitely do a sub 17 minute 5k run. And I went out to this run and I did 17.30. And it wasn't because I didn't try. Like I really just did not have the speed on that day. And it was a bit of a confidence knock because I've been training so well I kind of almost felt sub-17 would come along to me easily and I pretty much knew in the second K I was going to really struggle to get the sub-17. I was happy because I pushed hard and still got 17, you know, I didn't give up but I was, I definitely was disappointed and then two days later I had an 18 minute run where I had to do 45 minutes of pretty hard running within it and I started the the 45 minute block and I pretty much gave up within the first minute and there was a few reasons that happened partly I was fatigued you know 10 weeks into uh, seven weeks into a pretty tough program I was definitely very tired and so mentally maybe I wasn't fresh enough for that workout uh the the confidence knock from the 5k run obviously affected me um and I, I probably didn't stack the cards in my favor enough so I had you know, like, it's really interesting, you know, you have a couple bad runs, and it can start to redirect your focus, and redirect where you're putting your energy, now, up until the point to where I had those two runs, I was in a really good place, I was feeling really good about myself, the goal seemed really achievable, that I was aiming for, um, you know, my runs were a confidence booster in my life, they made me think that I, you know, I'm doing really well, they're an esteem and a confidence booster in my life, and after those two runs, they were, I was a bit more, went to a bit of a doubtful place. And so with this in mind, I had a long run last Friday where I had to do very much a long effort at my race pace. So I had to do a 26k run with 16k's at race pace. Now when you're doing a half marathon, 16k's at race pace should not be hard. It should be a little bit of a struggle after 10k's, but you should get to 16k's thinking you could hold this pace or go a little bit faster for the last 5Ks, because, you know, that would be a wise strategy for your race. It's not easy, but again, it's, you're not killing yourself. But at the same time, a 26K run at that kind of intensity should have been a good effort for me. Now, going into that run, I had, you know, two really kind of negative experiences, or, or, or experiences that knocked my confidence going into that run so after the Tuesday run where I really just gave up after one minute and just kind of plotted home which was really dissatisfying and really kind of a bit of a bummer 
I knew that I had to do everything possible to set myself up for success for this run because I had two runs back to back which were ultimately disappointing and this run I was doing on the Friday, my 26k run, was the longest run that I was doing for this training block. So it was a really important run that I wanted to get on top of. So after Tuesday, I really sat down and thought to myself, okay, well, I want to have a good run on Friday, so what are all the things that I can do to stack the cards in my favour? And this is a really important thing to think about because, you you know, there's as an experienced athlete, there's many things I've learned about myself that I can make sure I can put in place to increase my chances of success. And this is something I always think about and always recommend to my runners is that as an athlete, what we want to do is the things we can control, we want to make sure they are in place. And then there's certain things we can't control as an athlete, but if we can do as many of our controllables as possible, then there's a higher chance we're going to achieve the goal. So pretty much after my failed run on Tuesday, all my energy went into that to say, if I'm going to have a successful run on Friday, what are all the things that I need to do to make sure that's possible? Now, I identified earlier, I was really tired. You know, these last seven weeks of training, it's, you know, I've been overseas, I've been to Europe. You know, I had lots of reasons to justify why I was tired, but I was tired. So I needed to make sure for the nights leading up to the run on Friday, I had to brilliant sleep so I was in bed early I was picking up my Kindle so I fell asleep straight away having really nice sleep good nutrition I had to make sure I was sleeping I mean eating well getting enough nutrition and maybe I haven't everyone's been commenting I'm getting a bit skinny so it's a, that's a sign that maybe I've lost you know I haven't put enough nutrition in this training block I'm not the kind of person who needs to lose weight so when I'm getting skinny it's probably because I haven't put enough nutrition in so that was a good sign I started to mentally preload the, the run. Um, I even created on the morning of the run, I got up and made my most amazing playlist of all my favorite songs. Um, I set a time in my head that I had to be out the door. Just all these little tricks that I that I know work for me that stacked the cards in my favor. And that's, you know, and then I went out and, and I smashed the run. I had a great run. I actually ended up doing a whole half marathon at my race pace and felt there was a little bit more there. So I came in, I did a half marathon just, under 119 or into 118s and um, I was really happy with it and it was just one of those times as an athlete where I used all my experience of my past to, to really increase my chances of success on an important run and I just wanted to share that with you today because I think there's a lesson in for that in lots of people here so if you're a new exerciser well really what you're trying to do is learn those lessons you know if you haven't exercised for a long time or ever, you don't really know those lessons. I'm a guy who's exercised pretty full on for 20 years of my life, so I know the tricks of my trade. So for the newer person, as you have your experiences, each time you have a, an exercise experience, just think to yourself, what's the lesson I can learn from this so that I can set the cards in the favor for future endeavors? But also for those times where I have a rough day, I can make sure that I can use the, the, the things I've learned through these sessions to make sure I set myself up for my next session. Because one of the things I've learned when working with newer exercises is if they have one bad day, they can often just give up. Whereas if you can have an approach of I'm just learning and I can tweak and improve and build my tools, well then there's a much higher chance that you're going to stay with the exercise. And then for the more experienced person, I would say the thing you want to think about is, you know, I, I know I'm going to have shit training days. I know I'm going to have days where it's just absolute crap. Really, you've got to trust that, just stick at it, and, and I did do that. And But also 
plan for success by stacking the cards in your favor. So just there's some stuff I want to share with you about my training. I'm a race coming up in about three weeks from now. So I'll keep you updated on the next show how I'm feeling about that. I, would, I need to go under 125. So obviously the fact that my training, I did 118 and training shows I'm, I'm well on path for the, the kind of the B goal because the B goal is to just qualify. Um, the A goal would be to, to, to race as smart as I possibly can and that would get me a time. I think this course is a slow course so it's probably going to get time under 120 would be a pretty happy goal. So you know, I want to share with that with you guys. Before we get into the main gist of the show I just want to share some of the patrons of the show. If you want to become a patron of my show you go to bevanjamesisles.com and you'll see a link on there and um, you can just I can just come on in uh, be a patron of the show and what that means is you donate a little bit of you know, bit of finances towards the show, and each time I put a show up, whatever you just choose to donate will be contributed to the show, and it really makes a difference. So these are some of the people who are already patrons of the show. We've got Matt Warhol, or Forrest Warhol, because he loves to run like Forrest Gump, and he's a bit of an artist. At Curse, we've got Holly, the go-getter Woodhouse. We interviewed her a while ago. She does that amazing magazine. Um, we've got Sue, the only way up, is chisel oh, sorry the only way is up chisel we've got denise abfab dana we've got nathan the hurricane nathan i don't know your last name so send it through to me and we've got mary jane the magic mariko these are all patrons of the show so thank you very much to all the patrons you know who you are and it really does help me do what i do if you want to become a patron go to www.bevanjamesisles.com anyway let's get into the main gist of today's show I was having a conversation with somebody the other day, and it was a really interesting conversation. Um, This person is a person who's very successful in their career, very, very successful, Um, and very career-focused, and is very good at what they do, and takes a lot of pride in their work, and, um, you know, just, you know, just someone who's really kicking butt at work. Uh, On the flip side of that, there's other areas of their life where they definitely need to work on, and sometimes the area where they're really strong work comes at a cost to the other areas because they are so strong in that area sometimes they neglect other areas of your life and this is something I've talked about on the show in the past and it's something I'm sure many people who are listening to this right now have it's that whole I get so much esteem from one area it can let me neglect other areas of my life and it's a topic that's you know again I've addressed on the show in the past and it's a topic that we could probably talk about more in the future and you may be listening to this right now and thinking, yep, Bev, you're talking to me. You know, you are talking to me when you say you've got this one area. You know, you may be thinking, yep, I've definitely got one area where I'm really good at it. And it gives me so much esteem and it gives me confidence and identity. And there's so much good stuff from it. But actually, I'm putting too much time into this area because I've neglected other areas of my life. And because I neglect other areas of my life, I lack a bit of confidence in those areas. I don't feel as successful. And my identity is one where I'm a bit more negative about myself in those areas. And for that reason, I if, if I think about how I'm going to spend my energy, well, it makes it really understandable that I'm going to put my energy into the more of the thing that I feel good at. Obviously, as we kind of sit and think about this, that may come at a cost. Because if I only put more time into the thing I'm good at, neglecting the areas which also come at a cost but not in a positive way well what is the long-term kind of path that leads to and you know so we're having a discussion around this 
And it was really interesting because we were kind of talking about, you know, when other people look at you, what's the kind of the experience you go through? And, you know, like I think ultimately we all understand that we want to be in a place where the the thoughts of others upon us shouldn't really affect us. But, you know, it, it, it often does. And particularly in areas where we feel vulnerable or insecure. You know, the, the best example of it is public speaking for those who aren't confident in public speaking. For those who aren't confident in public speaking, when you get up in front of them, all you think about is they can see the thing that I'm most insecure about. Like I remember there was a lady who I once knew who was a very good public speaker, but was overweight. And she felt as a public speaker, and she was very skilled, like she could hold the room like a really great public speaker does. And But she was overweight, so she was thinking while she was speaking, all they are thinking about is, I'm overweight, so I don't have credibility. Because someone who's overweight must lack in some area of their life, so they must be thinking about that, so my message is getting lost. Now, that was really interesting because for me as a consumer of this person's content, I'd watched her speak and she was actually an amazing public speaker and I wasn't really thinking about her weight at all because the message was so strong. But her experience of that talk was a different experience because of the insecurity she sat in. And often when we have insecurities in life, when we think about how others see us, that's the thing that we see. We, you know, That's the thing that we identify with, that I'm overweight, so when people see me, they just think I'm overweight, I must lack credibility because I can't make good choices around nutrition or exercise. And yeah, again, is the other person's experience of that true? Well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But is that best use of our energy? Mm, well, probably not. But we were, I was talking to this person the other day about this, and you know they're very good at their work, very successful, and get a lot of esteem and identity through being so great at their work. And in the areas where they are struggling in life, um, and this person does need to work on the weight thing. The weight is something that they need to work on. They're talking about when they see other people, the thing that they think about to themselves is, oh, if you knew about my career. If you knew about my career. And it got me really thinking is this kind of how do you defend yourself when you are worried about judgment from others? So I suppose, first of all, the ultimate goal is to get to a place where you're not worried about judgment from others, unless you really know you're letting yourself down. But, you know, the the real thing I'm really interested in here is what's the defense mechanism you use to protect yourself? Now, it's probably not a bad thing to use a pretend protect mechanism at these times. Like for my, this person I was talking to who's a, bit, who's a little bit overweight, you know, if they were to say these people are looking at me and think I'm overweight, that could be a really dangerous place because then they might be self-destructive. They might, you know, it could lead them down a bad path. So to put in place at those times, you know what? I'm really good at my work. If they knew that about me, you can understand why that would be a thing that we do, and why it might actually be why we'd think that's a good strategy. And and I know I've done this myself. You know, like. Um, Whenever you meet someone who's really strong in an area that you maybe don't feel strong in, you know, you, I've done this myself. I've, you know, I've, I would think about, well, if they knew this about me. So you become a defender to protect yourself. Now, again, what is the purpose of this? And again, I think it is a protection thing. Um, I do think it's really, you know, I understand it as a protection. But I suppose, why am I leading into this? Well, I suppose the thing I'm really curious about is, what is the 
cost of using a tool like this. So we use it to protect ourselves, but actually by using a tool like this, maybe it's actually help, helping us avoid the work that we should be doing. So if we just think about this conversation I was having with the person the other day, so they are really great in their career. And like I said earlier, in some ways they probably neglect other areas of their life because they're really great in their career. Now, when they get to that moment where they're concerned of judgment of others, they're going to use their career to protect themselves, which allows them to be safe and protect themselves. But maybe it doesn't make them really self-reflect around the work that they should be doing. So with this person, let's say they want to lose some weight. Now, I'm, I'm, I, we didn't talk about this level. I'm, this is just very much, I'm digging deeper into another into a conversation that was very surface around this subject. So I'm kind of just going on my own path here. But let's say this person does want to lose weight. And the reason they're not losing weight is because they're working so hard that they haven't got time for food planning. And they're so tired when they get home, they're just mentally fatigued, so they make bad food choices. So some of the reasons they're overweight is actually because of their career. And really, if they want to get to the place where they've lost the weight in a healthy way, and, uh, you know, where they'd actually be walking down the street and not feel the judgment, which again, the judgment may not be real, but it's inner and it's real to that person. Maybe if they were to own that moment a little bit more and use it as a self-reflection moment, then they'd be a bit more motivated to do the work around growing in that area. So let's just say, let's just use this scenario here, and I'm using it here right now, is you know you defend yourself in certain ways. And maybe, maybe you can think about that right now. Like for me... How would I defend myself? Well, I definitely defend myself on my fitness. Um, I, I defend myself on my um, my purpose in life, which is a really interesting one. Like I've got a really good purpose. I've got a really good thing to sell. I try to help people grow. You know, that's, a, that's an easy thing to sell. And so when I feel insecure or there's areas where I know I'm dropping the ball a little bit, you go, yeah, but I'm, I'm really good at trying to help people grow. Now that's a really awesome reason to be, that's a really good thing to defend myself with. But does it actually stop me from confronting the side that I need to confront? You know, that's it's an interesting thing to think about for me. And so for you, what's that area, what's that way you defend yourself to protect yourself in times you feel insecure or vulnerable? So when we do that, does that actually stop us? It's kind of, I suppose, in says, does it enable, are you an enabler of yourself to not do the real work? So an enabler is a person who, in your life, allows you to keep doing the thing that's bad for you so an enabler of somebody you let's say you're really bad with money and you're really you're hopeless of money and it, you know there's a massive cost to your life but you never really confront the issue you just kind of you know you never really sit down and actually go you know what i need to budget i need to do the work that's going to get me on top of money because you've got a, a parent who will always give you money when the going gets tough or lend you money when, you know, the going gets tough. Now, while that parent may be helping you out, you know, they may be, you know, thinking in their heart, oh, my, my son or my daughter's in a really bad place, and actually I need to help them through this time. If every time you go through a tough time, you go to your parents for support, then they're actually not allowing you to confront the real issue. The real issue is you need to get better at money. But if every time you get to a problem, to a level where, 
you know, it needs to be addressed, someone bails you out, you're never actually confronting the problem. So the parent in this situation is an enabler. They enable you to stay in a bad place. But I wonder, as I talk about this right here, is my protection mechanism, is that an enabler for me staying in my bad place? So if I think back to the example of the person I just talked about, um, you know, the person who works too much but is a little bit overweight and would like to address that, in that moment of defense of judgment, does that actually enable them to not address what needs to be addressed? And in some ways, and, and, and I'm, I'm not sure if I'm 100 right here, I'm just putting it out there, but actually to allow yourself to feel the pain of that judgment. Now again, that judgment might not be correct, um, Again, the lady I was doing this speech with, I wasn't thinking about her weight. I was really enjoying the message she was giving me. But for her, the weight was real to her. So my defense mechanism enabled me to not really confront the work I need to do. And in those moments when I defend myself, maybe a better thing to do is to go, oh, I'm using my strength to enable me to avoid my weakness. I'm going to say that again. In the moments where I feel judgment, which makes me feel I need to protect myself and use my area of strength, am I using that as an enabler of me avoiding doing the work in my weakness? So really, maybe for the person who I, you know, the person who works too much is a little bit overweight, and when they feel that judgment, be it real or not real from the world around them, they use that work as a way to enable them to not actually look in the mirror and go, do you know what? I should be working harder at my weight. I should be really trying to identify the way I can move forward with my weight. Now, I'm not sure about this. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, this is just something I've been thinking about. And today's show is very much about this. But I think it's, I'd really like to think maybe there's a way we can, something we can practice here. And maybe if you are someone who is listening to this right now, I can really identify what I'm talking about. Maybe what you can do is practice this. So what, let's, let's kind of make a, a bit of a process up here. So let's say the process is, First of all, that you are, you know, identify the areas that you really use to protect yourself with. Okay. So when you are feeling judgment from the world, how will you normally traditionally protect yourself? Now, when you think about it, it's probably going to be your areas of strength. You know, for some people, it might actually be about bringing other people down, which is an interesting thing as well. Like I, I tend to protect myself with using areas of strength, but maybe you actually do it by bringing other people down. So you might look at the other person and think, well, yeah, but you've got this wrong with you. Now, I, I don't have that in me, so I'm not sure if that's, in t- that's how people go through it. It might actually be how a lot of people go through it, that they actually, the way they defend themselves is to be critical with others. And actually, as I think about this, that's probably really true as well. So is the way I defend myself to bring other people down or is it to use my strength to you know to kind of make myself feel better then identify what that is so it might be for you that you bring other people down or it might be that I look for my strength then what we want to think about is next time I feel judgment I want to use that as a driver towards change so if I feel judgment let's say I walk into a room I'm a little bit overweight and I think shit they're all looking at my weight and instead of going, well, look at them because they have got this wrong with them or, you know, well, they, if they only knew about my career to go, oh, I don't like feeling like this. So this is definitely an area of my life I need to be putting more energy in to create change in. 
So it's not that you're beating yourself up. It's not that you're going, oh, you know, I don't like feeling like this and so they suck or I I suck and all the rest of it. It's not to use it as a self-destructive tool. It's just to make you realize I still need to be working on this area and I need to be putting energy in this area to make sure that I'm progressing forward. So again, it's not to use it as a self-destructive tool. So a lot of people, when they have that hard moment, and this is why we protect ourselves, is it leads them down a bad path. They beat themselves up emotionally. I suck. I fail. Here's another reason why I'm overweight. They eat, you know, comfort eating and so on and so on. Instead, what we want to think about is, no, it's just a, it's just a reminder. This is an area I still need to be working on. So what, what what's the kind of process I kind of pulled out there? It's first of all, to identify how you would traditionally protect yourself in moments where you feel judgment. It might be critical of others. It might be to look to a strength. And then you might have other ways that I haven't identified here. Then the second thing we want to think about is um, and catching that, you know, making sure you don't use that next time. And the next time you experience is just to go and go, okay, well, this just shows to me that this is an area in my life that I could still need to progress on. And then from there, obviously, look at planning, look at support, look at all the things that are going to help you progress on in those areas. Because the real way that you actually lose the need to defend and be critical of others is you move forward in that area. That, you know, you lose the weight. You feel more secure in the areas. Now, weight's not the only area. Obviously, we've all got different areas of insecurity. But you move forward in the area. Like, if you lose the weight, and then you know, let's go back to the lady who was speaking. If she had lost that weight, and she got up and spoke in front of people, she doesn't have to defend herself, does she? She doesn't have to protect herself because the weight's gone. So it's just something to think about there. So, again, the, the whole idea that I had here was how do you protect yourself in moments where you feel judgment from others, which ultimately exposes your insecurities, which exposes areas of your life that you need to work on. Now, if you are protecting yourself or being critical of others, you're enabling yourself to not really confront the work you need to do. So what we want to do is to to, to stop ourselves from protecting ourselves, to not be mean to ourselves, but to make sure that we protect ourselves, I mean, sorry, that, to make sure that we see this as a learning opportunity to work to see where we can work on in our life. So that's kind of my main point, my first main point today. My second main point is, needs to come with some caution. This needs to come, because I kind of think, there's kind of two groups of people, and and there's more than two, but there are kind of two areas to think about here. I'm really talking to someone who's healthy right now. I'm not talking to an unhealthy person. And when I mean unhealthy, I'm talking, and I'm very much talking about weight, weight and, um, you know, body. Um, and, and so not just weight, but probably weight and internal. So like, you know, you're you're physically fit, you're doing some exercise, you're eating healthy-ish, healthy enough, and you, you know how to manage your weight. So you stay within a healthy weight range pretty much all the time. What I'm not talking to is the person who is not moving, the person who is overweight, Oh, it's a different kind of criteria here. But one thing I've been really frustrated with, and, and I have talked about this in the show in the last, you know, over the years, the one thing I, frust- I get frustrated with is the person who is healthy 
but it's actually really unhealthy. And the, the best example which I can recall is we have, a, there's a show called My Kitchen Rules, which is one of those kind of food shows where people get into teams and they compete against other teams. And there's two kitchen shows in New Zealand. My wife, Jo, loves these kitchen shows. So I kind of, occasionally I'll kind of watch one of them with her. And there's My, My Kitchen Rules and MasterChef. And MasterChef I, I actually really like because MasterChef is very much just about embracing cooking and um, trying to, help people grow through cooking and and you know they, they challenge them and but it's really a supportive environment the culture seems to be really good within the groups um and it's really just trying to show excellence and growth through cooking so i really like i really enjoy watching that one whereas my kitchen rules is probably more of that traditional reality tv program and with what i, I mean that it's very much personality based so it really makes you dislike people and like people and it really makes you kind of choose teams and it, and it makes you want to, to you know, people to fail and all of these types of things. And so it's a lot more personality driven. Now, sure, food's a part of it and they do celebrate when people do well, but you're really more driven by the personalities in the show and the drama of the personalities in the show. And I'm sure you guys all know what I'm talking about when you think about these types of reality shows. I always think, why would you go on a reality show where someone can edit your, you know, you? And it's funny actually because in New Zealand right now, they're having one of these shows and I don't know this person, but one of the, Joe's friends knows a couple who are on the show and they've been made to look really bad. Now, I don't think that people are really bad in real life, but these shows can be edited in ways like I would never go on a reality show. And, and at least like MasterChef I would because it's just about embracing the cooking. But although I can't cook, so I wouldn't go on it. But if you get what I mean, I would never put myself forward to be... Um, portrayed in a way that's not true to me but anyway one time on my kitchen rules i had this lady who promoted how healthy she was all the time she talked about how she did exercise she talked about all the diets she had she you know she was very proud of the fact that she was very healthy but then you'd watch the show and and to me this person was one of the most unhealthiest person that i'd ever seen she was so anal about her food that she was a very difficult person socially she was very difficult within the group she was very judgmental of other people's eating she was just sitting there the whole time you know frowning upon other people's eating she was exercising to levels which were kind of unhealthy you know it was an unhealthy drive to exercise you know that this person could stand above the pedestal and say, look at all those people below me because I am healthy. But actually, I got the feeling that all she thought about was the choices of food and exercise in her life. And actually, as I looked at her, I just felt she was a really unhealthy person. She was really unhealthy. And this is something I've, I've that kind of really does my head in is the healthy person who's unhealthy and it's one of my real concerns in society right now because I think that we have two types of people we have and again we have more than two types of people but we have the unhealthy person who just doesn't know or hasn't really developed the tools and skills to be healthy and that's a big problem and that's a problem that we as a community and um, my industry and uh, nutrition industry we need to get be helping those people so that's definitely a topic for another day and it's not the topic i'm going to address today but we also have this problem of the person who actually acts really healthily but feels that they're failing 
the person who acts really healthily and feels that they're failing. And actually, I had a really good, a good, a good ex- kind of um, experience around this the other day. So, Joe, my wife, my wife is the picture of healthiness. Um, healthy weight. She's a, a, a very fit woman, a very good athlete. Like, um, I think she, you know, she'll go to a running race and pretty much always get within the top 10, um, you know, and that's, you know, of people who are running, you know, we've got to remember most people aren't there out there running. We eat extre- you know, extremely healthy. Sometimes she'll have some temptation, but she's not the kind of person, she never goes OTT. I've, she's not the person who has the whole cake of chocolate and so on. So Joe's a really, really healthy woman. She likes a glass of wine. She likes a glass of wine, you know, most nights she's going to have a glass of wine when she cooks dinner, and occasionally on a weekend we'll go out, she might have three or four wines. Like, to be honest, she's not, she's drunk maybe three or four times in the 10 years we've been with each other, and, and I actually try to encourage her to get drunk a bit more sometimes, just just for the fun of it, but uh, she gets pretty bad hangover, so she's not that keen on it. So Jo is the picture of healthiness, she, she really is, and Jo knows how to be healthy, and this is one of the things that... I think is one of the problems that creates unhealthiness for healthy people. So I'm going to go back to that in a second. But one area that Jo sometimes has doubt around is her drinking. She sometimes feels she drinks a little bit too much. And um, and, and my argument to her is always very much, you're so healthy. You know how to be healthy. And the amount you drink isn't excessive. A glass of wine a night is not excessive. She's not having two bottles of wine a night. It's it's not, also, it's not, a, she, the house she's using is more just something that I enjoy in my day. It's a ritual that she has a glass of wine when she's cooking dinner, which is a real nice ritual that she enjoys. It's a stress release for her. But it's not a need that she has. You're like, if she's really stressed, it's not, I need to drink wine to get through this. So it's a really healthy thing that she has in a day. It's an enjoyable moment. And on occasion when we're out French, you might have a few more glasses of wine. So she's really healthy around this. Now, if she's worried about her drinking, is that actually the unhealthy thing? You know, is that actually the unhealthy thing? And if I kind of take this further, if I could think of the healthy, unhealthy person, that is the person who's healthy, but actually is unhealthy, often one of their biggest problems is they're always feeding their mind in the areas of nutrition and exercise. And, and, and actually, I'm going to talk about myself here. And why am I going to talk about myself here? Well, this is what really triggered this. Because I'm like my wife, Jo, I'm healthy. I really am. I'm, I'm fit as, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the top 5% of the fittest people in my country because that's what I do with my life. Um, I eat healthy. Um, but I also have temptation, and I, and I also allow a moment in my week where I go a bit crazy with food. Um, but, you know, I eat healthy. I I know how to be healthy. I, I My weight range, I don't jump on scales, but my weight range always stays the same. I, I know how to be healthy. I've, I've done it for years. I'm really good at staying healthy. Now, a few weeks ago, I was on the internet, and I was just on YouTube, and I was just kind of killing some time on YouTube, and I saw an interview of somebody talking about intermittent fasting. And intermittent fasting is kind of one of the big things right now, you know, fads come and go, and intermittent fasting is one of these big fads that is really big right now, and and the whole idea is that you might not eat, I I haven't actually put much research into it, but based on the 15 minute clip that I watched, um, basically it's kind of the idea that you might not eat for 12 hours a day, or you don't eat from 6 o'clock at night until 9 in the morning or something like that, and there's this kind of, this group of people who are really kind of pushing this thinking and and I, I don't know the science, I haven't looked into it. Maybe there's some science that really backs this up and maybe it's a really good thing to think about. 
And then I watched the clip, and then I started to think, oh, maybe I should start intermittent fasting. So, so I started thinking about this, and started thinking, you know, it was, you know, it, was, it, it planted a seed in my head that I was doing something wrong. It planted a seed in my head that I was doing something wrong. Now, am I doing something wrong? Well, as I just said before, I'm really healthy. I know how to be healthy. I know how to live my life healthily. And one of the things I don't do is actually I don't, like, for example, I put no restrictions on diet. I eat sugar. People say, oh, sugar's the end of the world. I eat sugar. Now, don't uh, don't, don't get me wrong. It's, I don't go crazy on sugar. I keep it within good levels. But I'm, I, I'm not the person who just says you can't have anything. Now, I'm not saying you, if you do have those areas that are you restrict yourself in, I'm not saying it's wrong for you. But one thing I, I really encourage in life is learning how you work. And it's one of the problems with the nu- nutrition debate. Because the nutrition debate is every philosophy fights against other. Well, they, there's always, you know, people are so cult-like with nutrition debates. And, it's, you know, it's often because whatever one you've used has worked for you, so that must work for everybody else. And for me, my journey has always been, no, just I should learn what works for me and just kind of use that. And over time, I might, I'll, I'll obviously tweak this. But once you've learned what works for you, that you know, really, that's your work. And and as a forty-year-old man now, I know how I'm healthy, how to be healthy. But watching that video started to make me doubt myself. And I found what I found really interesting was over the next few days, I started to think about my nutrition a lot more than what I normally do. And I started to think about, well, maybe I should try this intermittent fasting and so on and so on. And then I realised that I was actually starting to become a little bit unhealthy with my thoughts because I was worried about what I was doing for my nutrition. Now, if we look at the evidence, once again, I know how to be healthy. I, 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 I don't put on weight. I keep moving my body, you know, so I'm, I'm a healthy person. So, and I know my formula. I know how to, I know how to live my life, you know, and in those moments where I might put on a little bit of weight, I know how to tweak it. I, I know how I work. So for me to be really doubting that, in some ways, that's actually the unhealthy thing. And that's the thing that I'm concerned about here is that healthy people are feeding their minds in ways that creates doubt where they're always just spending so much of their time and energy worried about their health when actually if you look at the evidence they're really healthy and the use of that energy that they're worrying about their health is probably much better spent on other things in their life. So for example, for me, in those few days after watching that YouTube clip where I watched intermittent fasting, I probably spent five to six hours thinking about intermittent fasting. Now, that's time that I'm not normally thinking about my food. So that's five or six hours that I spent in a place doubting myself. Now to me, that was an unhealthy use of my time. Because I could have been using that time much more wisely in my life. I could have been spending time connecting with Joe, with my friends. I could have been pursuing challenges. I could have been evolving myself. I could have been doing deeper level relaxation. There was a much better use of that six hours over those two or three days than me worrying about intermittent fasting. And again, if I look at the evidence of my life, I am healthy. I know how to be healthy and I can trust that. And actually... That's the thing that I, I think that we should be working towards. So for those, again, this is this is really speaking to the person who knows they deep down are healthy. And, and let's put some criteria around this. You stay within a healthy weight range. You know, you, you, everyone goes up and down a little bit, but you know, you know how to stay within a range that you're happy with. You eat 
generally pretty healthy all the time. So again, what's healthy? And I know we're going to argue different types of food, but you you know the foods you eat pretty much are the right kind of foods that keep you in that weight range all the time. The one thing I would recommend, this is something I've thinking about doing, especially now that I'm 40, is getting a, a an evidence-based check-in. And what I mean by that is you might go and get your bloods done with your doctor once a year. You might go get an annual checkup with a real specialist who's going to do scientific testing on you just to make sure that, you know, more than just those kind of external markers like your weight and how you feel, um, it's more than those external markers, you know, you can just get a higher level check in. And it's something I haven't really done in my life. But now that I'm 40, I'm starting to age a little bit. It's probably something I need to start thinking about. So probably closer to Christmas, I'm going to start an annual checkup. And that's where I'll probably get buds done and, and you know, just get that checkup, you know, that higher level checkup, which will really just reaffirm that I'm healthy or may expose some areas that I need to work on. So that I'd say you want to do that. It's probably worth doing that. And that's really great because that's really clear. It's really specific and it's really evidence-based. And then from there, you know, if you know that you can stay healthy, as in stay in a weight range, stay, have enough energy for your life, you know, manage your sleeping, manage healthy nutrition and, and levels that are right. Like, again, if I think about myself, I kind of at times I will eat some shit food, but I don't tend to go OTT on it. And I had my fun day Friday where I drink a bit too much Coke, but, you know, it's not the end of the world. And it's Coke Zero, so I justify it that way. <laughs> um, I manage my exercise well. For me, the, the last jigsaw piece of the puzzle is to have a healthy mind around that. And a healthy mind around that means you just live your life. You trust that you're healthy. You trust you know how to be healthy. And then you put your mind energy into other areas of your life that are actually just growing, developing you in ways that are really empowering in your life. Like connection, like evolution, like growth of passion, like growth overall. So as you're listening to this right now, and if, if you're the person who's not healthy, I'll, I'll go back and listen to some of my old shows because I've got plenty of work around there. But if you if you know you know how to manage your health, but you also know you probably spend too much time in that unhealthy place where you're doubting your ability to manage that health, maybe you just need to trust yourself a little bit more. And maybe you need to pull away from the things that feed the doubt. For me, the thing that feed the doubt, which was watching the YouTube clip, well, maybe you don't need to feed that doubt anymore because you have evidence and you have a history Excuse me. That shows you you can manage this. Because a healthy life is a little bit more than just weight, energy, and nutrition. A healthy life is also the mind space you live in. And it's a real it's a real pity if you spend your whole life actually managing those other healthy areas really well, but you live in doubt, which makes you worry and takes you to an unhealthy place. To me, the last piece of the puzzle for those who actually manage their health really well is just to go, you know what, I'm really good at managing my health. I can now use my mind energy to do more powerful things with my life. So that's my my second point today. If you know you're a healthy person, but you actually live and worry about your health, the next step in your progression about being healthy is to learn to just realize and trust that you can be healthy and then move your energy elsewhere. By doing that, and maybe by doing my first tour of today, what do I always say? You can be a higher version of yourself. Right, 
Right, team, hopefully you got something out of those two topics today. Um, again, just protect yourself and, um, or how do you protect yourself and how does it actually enable you to avoid the real thing? And then if you're healthy and you know it, be healthy. <laughs> I was going to say clap your hands, but uh, yeah. Anyway, that's this uh, episode of Bevan James Old Show, the Fitness Behaviour Podcast. If you want to become a patron of the show, you can go to bevanjamesowls.com and you'll see there's a Patreon link there. Just go on there, check on there. It really does make a difference. Seriously, it really makes a difference. Uh, I might have an interview. I might have my means group. It might just be me back in a couple of weeks from now. I'm not quite sure either way. And a couple of weeks from now, I will be leading into my race week. I really am looking forward to a race. I haven't actually done a race, you know, that I've trained for properly, probably in about four or five years. So um, I'm really looking forward to it. I love, I love a race. I love doubt. I love, you know, trying to be wise in a time of fatigue. I love all these kind of things. So I'm really looking forward to it. Um, actually, just just quickly before I wrap up, I did a talk the other night um, for a local sports group in Christchurch here. It was the annual uh, prize giving and I did a talk at the end of it or as a part of the guest speaker and uh, I was a little bit nervous and for me two things happen when I get nervous I'm a bit dry in the mouth and I need to go to the toilet and uh, I was about two minutes before I had to go on and I need to go to the toilet and I had a moment with a little bit of doubt and I looked in the mirror and I said to myself you know what Bev you love doing this you love this opportunity and I walked out of that toilet and I felt great. And sometimes in those moments of nerves, to remind ourselves of, of actually this is the thing we love in life, there's a really important thing to do. So there's my last little quick tip from today. If you enjoy the show, um, go bimjamesoz.com. If, if you're on Facebook or Twitter, I do put the show on my Facebook page. If you aren't a Facebook friend like me, but also go on and share it with other people if you get value out of the show. Go on your iTunes catcher or your iPod catcher and put a review out there about the show. And I'll see you guys in a couple of weeks' time. Awesome. See you soon. Bye.